Well, good evening. I wish you were all here personally, but we know that you're here in spirit. We just welcome you to the second uh, service of the spring revival meeting at Statesboro Primitive Baptist Church. Uh, it's a virtual meeting, but the Lord is virtually here, and we just have felt his spirit. Uh, Elder Bill Durrance is our guest preacher, and um, I don't think I've ever known Brother Bill not to preach when he preaches, but he was really blessed Sunday, if you were blessed to hear that message. Um, Christ our substitute, you know exactly what I mean. And so would you pray for Brother Bill tonight as he comes again to proclaim the Word of God. Uh, the last meeting, scheduled anyway, will be tomorrow evening at 7. Uh, it is a somewhat of abbreviated uh, a revival meeting this time at Statesboro Primitive Baptist Church due to the situation, uh, how we've all been sheltering in and the hesitance we all have to, to get out to be together and mingle. We really miss that, but we pray that the Lord will make that up with his Holy Spirit, that they can even be a, a camaraderie and a closeness that is increased by the distance that we are apart, that we would all like to be together. Um, but may the Lord bless us. We we have been blessed. We have a lot to be thankful for. And frankly, I believe we're in the very best of times to proclaim the Word of God. Uh, I think God has given us uh, avenues, uh, means of media to proclaim His Word in ways that we've never had before in the church. And so let's take advantage of it. Let's rejoice in it. I pray that you can invite somebody to join you right in your homes, wherever you might be, um, to... Uh, witness the working of the Holy Spirit through a man of God, and may the Lord be glorified and honored as we rejoice tonight. Uh, right now, uh, it's my great privilege to uh, invite Brother Bill Durrance to this pulpit. He faithfully ministered and pastored this church for 12 years. It was a very fruitful ministry here. Uh, he now pastors the Alney Primitive Baptist Church in Oak Park, Georgia. We pray for his church family there, for his wife, Sister Vanna, and his family and friends all around. So right now, would you be prayerfully, uh, expectantly uh, amazed as the Holy Spirit comes again to, through Brother Bill to proclaim his word at this time. I'm very thankful to the good Lord for the privilege of being able to share the word of God with all of you who are out there for us to worship with and who love the Lord and want to understand his word. And I hope that as this day has moved along, you have thought to be prayerful for the blessings of God upon us in this service and uh, in the service tomorrow evening. So God help you and bless you as you hear the word of God and help and bless me as I endeavor to share the word of God with you. Uh, this evening, I'd like to invite your attention to the Old Testament prophecy of Jeremiah, and I'm going to be reading the first six verses of this chapter. And I'll really focus our attention, the Lord willing, on the last verse in that reading. Uh, in this service, I want to focus our attention again on Jesus Christ. And the last service, it was on the fact that he is our substitute. And in the service this evening, the focus will be Jesus Christ, our righteousness. Uh, 
So hear now the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 23, verse 1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them, and will bring them again to their foes, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell in safety, or shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. May we look to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Father in heaven, I bow before you, because I know that you are the Almighty God, the only Almighty God who has ever been or ever shall be. We remember that you introduced yourself to Abraham long ago and told him you were the Almighty God, the God of all might and power. And we believe that tonight. We believe, O oh Lord, that you are able to sustain us and keep us and bless us and protect us. But Lord, even more than that, we believe that you are able to save us from sin and its awful eternal penalty. And that you have done that through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he came into the world to die for our sins. To pay a debt that we could not pay. And we are so very thankful, Lord, for your wonderful and amazing grace that has been given to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, I need preaching grace just now, and I ask for it in the name of Jesus. I just want to be able to proclaim Christ, our righteousness. So help me, Lord, and by your blessing, send forth your word to all your children who love you and endeavor to serve you. May they feel a special blessing through your holy word. Grant us grace for this time of worship and praise to you. For Father, we know in our hearts you are worthy. And we want to give you that praise and glory you so richly deserve. Though we will fail and can never give all you are worthy of, help us, Lord, to do what we can and to give our best. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. 
As I began to think about the Word of God some time ago in anticipation for this meeting, there were a lot of different subjects that came to my mind and heart about Jesus Christ. And of course, as the uh, events came along that changed our lives so dramatically, began to emerge, and we discovered that we would not be able to have the meeting as we would normally have it, and that the meeting would be compressed down and abbreviated to some degree. And I began to look at all those things the Lord had put on my heart, and Lord, what should I preach out of all of these things? And this is one of the three things that emerged in my heart and my mind to try to, to preach and to say about Jesus Christ, that He is our righteousness. Now, I'm thankful to God I can tell you that I'm thankful I can proclaim it from the Word of God. The prophecy of Jeremiah is a great prophecy to my heart. And he deals with some very unpleasant events in the very beginning of this 23rd chapter. And I'm not going to address all of those. My focus is to be focused on Jesus Christ, our righteousness. But in this sixth verse, it says, and I remind you, in His days. I believe it's talking about Jesus. In His days, prophetically speaking, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is His name, <clears throat> whereby He shall be called. And I believe the He there is Jesus. And then these words, and I don't know how they appear in your Bible, but in my Bible, the King James Version, the words, the Lord our righteousness are in all caps. And because they are that way in the scriptures that I'm reading from, it just, it just captured my attention. You just don't read that very often in the Word of God, that all the letters of the Word are in caps. But that's what it says here. The Lord our righteousness. I begin to think about the, the Lord here as He is mentioned. And I remembered that what, what Peter had been blessed to preach about Jesus on the day of Pentecost. It was recorded in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, He said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that that same Jesus whom you have crucified, God hath made Him both Lord and Christ. And so when it says the Lord our righteousness, I'm focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ whom God the Father made both Lord and Christ. And so He's our righteousness. You know, this holds true. If I had lived a hundred years ago when I read my Bible, I, it would have been true then. And however many years God may spare my life to live when I read it again, it will still be true. It will be true of God's children for as long as God allows time to move on. The Lord Jesus Christ is and ever shall be our righteousness. And when I thought about righteousness and began to look in the Scriptures, what I discovered was this rather long word, 
righteousness appears 306 times in my Bible. Now, obviously, I can't preach a comprehensive study of all that many scriptures. So, out of all of them, my heart is focused on the fact that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And I got to looking at what righteousness here involved, and it seemed to me, as best I can sum it up and put it into words, it's that purity of the heart for God's divine law, and trying to live in that law of God. And I think all of us, as the Spirit of God leads our heart, would say, Lord, I'm not righteous. I have not lived in that perfect obedience to your divine laws. But the Lord Jesus Christ, He is righteous and thus becomes our righteousness. I begin to think too about the way God sees us. You know, that's really what righteousness is about. It's not about me telling you how good and righteous I am. And it isn't about you telling someone else how good and righteous you are. It's about how God sees us and God knows us. And because God sees us and knows us perfectly, He knows. And I don't mean to, you know, belittle you or me in any way to say this, but He knows that none of us are righteous in the sense that we're talking about here. I begin to think about, as God knows that, how does He look upon the world? You ever think about things like that? When God looks at the world and He looks at humanity across the face of the earth, what does God see when He looks at humanity? I don't really know because He hasn't told me in some revelation, but I know somewhat of the things that He sees. And I say that on the basis that I can go back to the book of Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every thought of the imagination of his mind was only evil continually. Now that's what God saw in humanity before the great judgment flood came. And I think my personal opinion is that God is seeing much the same in this day and time. That every imagination of the thoughts of man, and I am amazed at times how far away from the Word of God and the laws of God that man can figure a way to get away from the laws of God. Still going on as it was before the flood. And there's an interesting verse that kind of addresses what God sees as He looks upon us in the world and in all the sea of humanity. And the Apostle Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. That's the Word of God. When he said, as it is written, he's really telling us that He is coming from another place in the Word of God to make that, that uh, 
uh, understanding and statement. And if I understand it correctly, he was looking probably, most likely in my humble opinion, he was looking in the book of Psalm at probably Psalm 14 and 53 and the first three verses of those Psalms. They speak very similar things. So he says it's written. Now, if that assumption is correct, then about a thousand years before Jesus was born and lived and walked on this earth, God was seeing that there were none righteous. And Paul is bringing that from that distant place and time to his day and to the writing under the inspiration of God. So there was none righteous then and there's none righteous today. So, you know, God looks upon us with all of our faults and our failures. And the Bible would say just simply this, this same chapter, Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that, my brothers and sisters, is you and me. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know what the wages of sin are. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Oh, I'm so thankful. God added that in, aren't you? That the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I conclude that when we look at all humanity across the face of the earth today, it is very likely that it's a little different than it was at its worst before the flood and as it seemingly has been for most of the time between then and now. But only God knows. I'm only surmising. Now what are we going to do about this situation? What can we do about this situation? That there is an unrighteous. Well now some might suppose, you know, if we'll change our ways, if we'll amend our doings, you know, if we get our heads straight on our shoulders and make the right decisions, then we can remedy this problem. I hate to tell you, that's not the case. The problem of us being unrighteous before God is not a problem you and I can fix. Someone might think, but preacher, you know, I think you're thinking the worst of me. You don't know that I'm a person. I go to church quite often. I pray. Times get rough. I look to God and I, I pray and ask His blessing. I send some money to the church along somewhere and I help in benevolent various duties and jobs and opportunities. I'm not so bad. But you know the problem is when we say that. We're comparing ourselves to other people. But when God, who is holy, looks upon us, He sees that we are all sinners. And He sees that there is none righteous. And you know what? We can't fix it ourselves. Now, I'm not just presuming to guess about that. I'm not just pulling a thought out of my head. I'm telling you what Isaiah the prophet said. Isaiah 64, verse 6, he wrote, We are all as an unclean thing, 
and all of our righteousnesses, I emphasize that for plurality, all of our righteousnesses, not some of them, all of them are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquity like the wind has taken us away. Paints a, a pretty good picture for us mentally there. Uh, the leaf that grows on the tree and is nourished and, and sustained on the tree as the fall of the year comes about. It begins to change. It colors. It withers. And after a while, it detaches from the tree and falls. And the wind carries and carries farther and farther from the tree its source of life. And iniquity does that to all of us. It takes us further and further and further away from God. Instead of us being able to overcome all our deficiencies and come to be a righteous individual before God and in His sight, our iniquities and sins, they just keep carrying us further away from God. But all of our righteousnesses, all the things we do that are sometimes considered righteous deeds, they're all like filthy rags as far as making us righteous before God. Kind of the description there in my mind's eyes of someone in that ancient time that had been imprisoned in a dungeon somewhere. They didn't have all the advantages those in prisons have today in care. What I read and understand, they were often put there and just left there till they died. If family tried to bring foods and take care of them, it might sustain them for a few years. But in that time, if no one gave them a change of clothes, the prison didn't do it. And it just, they gradually got dingy and old and they began to rot and fall apart, decay. And that's the way sin does us. It just, we never get out of that to become righteous before God. And when the Apostle Paul wrote the younger preacher Timothy, wanting to help him understand the things of God, he made a very simple statement. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Folks, if there's any good in us, any real good before God, I tell you, God's put it there by His amazing grace. You know, it's not something we just decide we're going to create for ourselves. So Paul said, no. Timothy, you need to understand this. I mean, Titus was the one he was writing to at the time. It is not by works of our righteousness. It is His grace, His mercy to us. So we don't have a solution to fix the problem, do we? If the Bible is true, and it is, it's God's Word inspired by God, you and I don't have a way to correct this problem. But I'm happy to tell you some good news tonight. God has always had the solution to our problem. 
And the solution to the problem is Jesus Christ and Him alone. I'm so thankful to God. When I, when I hear some of the things that the Bible tells us about the righteousness we have now through God's amazing grace, it blesses my heart. As Paul would look back in Romans uh, 6 verse 4, I believe it is, he said, as he looked back to some of the writings of David, and I think it was maybe Psalm 32, even as David describeth the blessedness of the man to whom God imputeth righteousness. See, we didn't get it on our own. If we're righteous before God, we didn't make ourselves that way. It was imputed to us by God through Jesus Christ, our righteousness. And that's the blessing of that hope. In fact, when Paul wrote the church at Corinth, he talked about us of God being in Him, that is Christ. Who of God is made unto us? He's talking about Jesus Christ. Who of God the Father who made Jesus to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Those are some blessed subjects, my friends. And Jesus is that to us. And that's what we are to understand when it says, the Lord, our righteousness, that it's talking not about deeds we have done. It's talking about Jesus and Him imparting to us righteousness. And then He says, He hath made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's not us. That's Jesus. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See? It's in Jesus that we have our righteousness. It's in Jesus that we can stand before God Almighty righteous. None of us would ever achieve that on our own. We could not. We are in a depraved and deficient and fallen nature. If it were not for Jesus, we wouldn't have that righteousness. But God gave it to us through Him. You know, the first of this series of sermons, I talked about Jesus as our substitute. And how He died to pay our sins. He died for us. The Bible gives us various details of how His blood was shed to wash away our sins. Unto Him that loved us, John said, and washed us from our sin in His own blood, that our minds will go back to Calvary and see Jesus on the cross of crucifixion and all the suffering and agony that He endured for us and how His blood was shed. And in His time, He bowed His head and said, Father, into Thy hands, I commend my spirit. And when he had thus said, he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost or gave up life and died. He said in the 
Gospel of John 10, 18, No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. And that's what He did. He laid down His life. Yes, Rome drove nails in His hands and feet. Yes, Rome pierced His side with a spear. Yes, Rome placed a crown of thorns upon His head and beat His back to pieces. But they could not take His life from Him. He laid it down of Himself. He was God embodied in flesh. So He died. was buried and rose again. But on that old rugged cross, He paid a debt for all of us that we could not pay. And that is the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. It took all the ugliness away, all the sin, all the iniquity and its effects, <clears throat> took it all away from us. But now the other side of that coin, if I may use that terminology, when we turn over and look at the other side, you know what occurred? He imputed to us His righteousness. He gave it to us. We didn't earn it. We couldn't have. We didn't have the ability. But those for whom He died, who chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, those who were created in Christ, that we are His workmanship, it's all because of God's amazing grace that Jesus would be our substitute and also our righteousness. So when God looks at you and me, it's a blessed thought. He sees the blood of Christ, sees us through the blood of Christ, and, and he sees us in the righteousness of Jesus. It's the only way we could have it. I'm happy to know when God looks at me and you that the only thing He sees is our ugly sins because you have them and I have them. There are ways sometimes we don't even realize that we're displeasing God and breaking His law. Sometimes in deeds that we do, sometimes in thoughts that we have, sometimes in words that we speak. But they're acceptable to other people, but they're not acceptable to God. So they're sin. And yet Jesus died for not one, but all our sins. And He is our righteousness before our Heavenly Father. Because He is. Because of what He has done for us and what He is to us. One day we'll dwell in heaven with God forevermore. And I'm so very thankful to believe that from the Word of God. Jesus Christ, our substitute. Jesus Christ, our righteousness. I believe this verse was prophetic of the righteousness that He would give to you and me. Now, what ought we to do about that as we close the sermon and think about how good the Lord's been to us through Jesus? 
I believe that we ought to honor and glorify him and worship him and praise him and give our very best. I'm going to add this. I believe we ought to walk day by day in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Would you say that's about the least we ought to could do? The psalmist in a beautiful Psalm 23. He restoreth my soul, third verse. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means you and I, if we fix our eyes and hearts upon Jesus, our righteousness, we will want to follow him and walk in paths of life that will honor and glorify our righteousness. And I hope God will help us by His Holy Spirit that every day when we wake up and we remember Jesus Christ our substitute and Jesus Christ our righteousness, that we will pray for grace to live a better life, to honor and glorify Him more tomorrow than we have today. Is my prayer and hope for Christ's sake. May we pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, I bow before you. So very thankful for your word. I don't understand it all, but one day in heaven's glory I will. But Lord, those little glimpses that you give us through Scripture, those thoughts that you communicate to us through your word, oh, how they bless us, how they lift our hearts and spirits. Even in a time like these days through which we're passing, so difficult for so many people. Life has changed for all of us in so many different ways. And yet, in spite of all that is around us and all that faces us every day, and all that Satan would use to pull us down in despair, if we can think about Jesus Christ, the Lord, our righteousness. Grant, O oh Lord, in that thought, we will be given courage and strength and hope to move on in your service and to live for Jesus who died for us. In his holy name we pray. Amen.